Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we're excited. We've never had a return guest. I don't yeah, think ever. AJ, you're you're the first return guest, man. So congratulations. Wow. Yeah. So it's an honor. I don't know how to really handle it. It's, it's overwhelming. <laughs> I know. Um, so this is AJ Swoboda, um, someone I've uh, followed for years. He um, led a college ministry at um, Eugene, where I went to college, and um, and I've been following his writing ever since. So AJ, thanks for being here. I'm so jazzed to be with you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and I'm going to um, start by throwing it to Josh. Uh, Josh, you've been reading AJ's new book, After Doubt. And... Yeah, it's not even out yet. I feel like I'm part of this elite club, you know, that, um, <laughs> yeah, I get to be kind of part of the, the pre-release um, for the book, but I, I love it, um, and it's... It's, it's there's a lot of fascinating things in there. Um, but AJ, AJ is an author, um, and speaker has you know, spoken around the country and now is a professor down at, uh, David Aller alma mater. That's right. Um, Bushnell university. Yeah. <laughs> and so AJ, welcome to the show and like, talk a little bit, just speak a little bit about the, the premise of the, this book. Um, you know, just those first couple chapters, um, and why, yeah, what, it, wh- why you're so passionate about it or what it means for you. Yeah. 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 Well, for, again, first of all, uh, thank you for allowing me to be your first time, second time guest. It's a, That's it's right. A, to be back. And love, love your podcast and love the work you guys do. I love the raw nature of your, um, of the work you guys do. So yeah, this um, book, it comes out actually tomorrow, uh, so you're catching me even a day before uh, the release. It's called After Doubt, How to Question Your Faith Without Losing It. And big picture, um, we have all uh, experienced and walked through seeing a friend or ourselves go through what we call uh, the deconstruction experience. Uh, this experience of rethinking the faith that we have been handed. And for myself, and I know a lot of individuals that are invested in nurturing and caring for the spiritual well-being of, of people that we lead, uh, this is a very oftentimes traumatic experience and, and, and is very hard to watch, but it's really hard to go through. Um, and the truth is, uh, there are not a whole lot of resources uh, about deconstruction and doubt that are attempts at helping people find Jesus in the middle of them. And more often than not, uh, books on doubt and deconstruction are attempts to get people to doubt and deconstruct. And mine, uh, after doubt, how to question your faith without lo- losing it, is my valiant attempt to create a pathway for people walking through those experiences to the living God who is with them. And so the, the, the premise of this book is that um, doubt and deconstruction do not have to be the end of our faith story. Wow. Um, tell, talk a little more about that. I've, I've been very open um, with, with my story here. I've um, had some pretty massive faith crises and, and actually being a pastor— interestingly has has 
sort of led me there. You mm-hmm. you see a lot, you experience a lot in in this role, and um, it's like holding on to your own faith uh, can be pretty pretty tough in the middle of that, and um, it's it's often seemed like the, almost a pressure to make a choice to to keep or toss your faith and and it's sounding like um you're you're trying to uh, tell me if i'm wrong uh like throw out that dichotomy a little bit so um talk a little about um where not 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 only throw it out but utterly crucify it because ultimately what we have going on now is this um, ideologically centered polarization mm-hmm. where essentially we have kind of a conservative form of Christianity that says doubt is wrong and is a sign of the lack of faith that one might have. And then one side that represented by progressive Christianity that would say um, doubt and deconstruction are the only way to God. So one essentially like demonizes it and the other side valorizes it and 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 the and the goal of the christian life the goal of the christian life is not to the right or the left it is deeper into jesus and this kind of bifurcated binary that we have to mm-hmm. choose between accepting or uh this the, yeah exactly what you're saying this all or nothing sort of thing is 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 actually what's creating our crisis um, so let me give you an example. Okay. So I'm sitting with a friend who says to me, this is a classic question of somebody who's in the throes of, of really rethinking their faith. Um, a young woman who says to me, what do I do with the fact that all of my non-Christian friends are actually kinder than my Christian friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what she's saying there is she's saying, you know, in my experience, uh, I have, um, I have this experience of having friends that, you know, are, are kinder and nicer than Christian friends, you know, and, but my response pretty quickly is actually, I, I know some atheists that are pretty mean too. Um, and it, you, you don't have to work very hard to find uh, non-Christians that are jerks as well. But what that, what's happening with that young person as they're wrestling through that is they have an, a disconnect because in their mind, the church should be a different thing than the way the world is. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do with that? What do you, what do you do with that? And I, you know, in, in those sorts of moments, I sort of reflect on on the book of Acts and how when you read the story of the book of Acts, every city that Paul goes into, he's rejected by the Christians. He, he's at the, yeah, the, the second of the last story before his death, he's shipwrecked on an island and he's welcomed by a bunch of barbarians. And the irony is that the, the group that was most hospitable towards Paul often were the barbarians, not the Christians. And that even Paul would have experienced that, that Paul was like, how in the world do I make sense of what God's people are and what I experience. That experience is a very difficult one to walk through. And a lot of Christians don't have a skill set to know how to walk through those moments of cognitive dissonance. You, as a professor now, you, you see this a lot, I imagine. Um, All the time. This is a daily, daily conversation. um, And do you, I'm as a, parent this is kind of where i i am personally right now as a parent of three young children or elementary age kids like what 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 do we do or is it and is this just in the in the church or is it culture-wide um that 
you know, once they get to a college level, like it, it is this, it almost becomes this rite of passage that you go through this deconstruction, um, Mm -hmm. in order to rebuild. And I think maybe some of that is maybe always, always existed maybe on, on some level. Um, but what, what, what do we do to build that into, into a culture early on instead of waiting for college? You're asking from the vantage point of a pastor or as a, as a parent, I should say as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Can I, can I broaden it a little bit to maybe anybody that's listening to this that isn't a parent, but how do, how do we like, how do we lead other people through this kind of stuff is, is what I, what I think I hear you saying. And even as a parent, which is absolutely visceral and real for any parent in this moment, I'd say two things. Um, the first thing that comes to mind when it comes to this conversation is um, that we need to be really crystal clear about what our goals are. Um, if my goal uh, is merely to get my kid uh, to think everything that I think, um, mm-hmm. that's a that's a goal that's going to consistently dis- disappoint me as a dad because, you know, my son is going to grow up one day. He's growing up as we speak, and he is going to need to make decisions about the kind of person he wants to be. I would love my son to think everything I think. I would love that. But we live in America, in a Western world, that that often doesn't happen. We're not Amish. We don't live in the middle of nowhere where um, somebody has to believe what I believe. We live in a world where my son is going to go to college and start making some of his own decisions. And so my goal as a dad is not to get my son to think everything I think. My goal is to orient my son's life to no matter what he does, to orient his life around the living Christ around Jesus, the resurrected Lord, who is King of all reigns in all things. I want my son to love Jesus above all. My goal is not to get my son to have my exact reflection of theology. And that's actually a very liberating idea. I want my son to follow Jesus. And sometimes when our kids follow Jesus, Jesus leads them in different places than we go. The second thing is I have got to instill at a very young age, Boundaries, really healthy boundaries. You know, um, I, I have this story of a, of a young, there's this young woman who I write about in the book, but this young woman who was raised in a Christian environment, a Christian home, a wonderful Christian home. But the problem was there were no boundaries in the home. And she she talks about how her mom had no boundaries. And she the way she knew her mom didn't have boundaries is her mom would just barge into her room without ever knocking. She would just barge in. She would never knock. And... In college, she she does exactly what you said. She goes to college, she deconstructs her faith, and then she has a child, which really makes you need God. Yeah. And and she starts coming back to church, and she starts reading the Bible again. Uh, but this time, she's reading the book of Revelation, and she comes across the line where Jesus stands at the door and knocks. Oh, wow. And she, she all of a sudden um, is like, I can believe in this guy because he has better boundaries than my mom did. You know, he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't barge in. He doesn't, he, he actually invites me in. Like he invites me, I, he's inviting himself in, but I have to partner with that. And w- the reason I say that is this, I want to cultivate a posture in my son's life where he, he's actually allowed to be the person he wants to be. Mm-hmm. I want to, I'm going to instill in him kingdom values and, and the gospel. I'm going to give that to him until the day he's 18 years old. 
but there comes a point and I need him to know, like, I stand, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to barge in, you know, I, I want to invite my son in. I don't want to coerce him in. And that's a hard thing to do. You know, you want to sort of beat your kid into submission to Jesus. But I, I would actually say that that way of parenting has led to our deconstruction crisis that we are in right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Um, <clears throat> can you talk a little bit about you? You said you want to help people and Josh, you may pepper in since you've been reading the book too. Um, uh, to not lose your faith while deconstructing or while your faith is shifting in some way. Um, uh, talk about like how how that might work because we really do sort of not only have a pressure to pick a side like there's something almost instilled and and I wonder if it's because like um, if you you want to be a part of a tribe either way and so you like you're a part of the church or you're not a part of the church or or whatever um, like how do you how do you hold on to Jesus while your faith is shifting in this way? Mm. Yeah. Um, well, there is, there is a really important part of deconstruction that this is, this is a part of the book that I think is unique because I theologically I'm, I'm very conservative. I'm, I'm pretty darn conservative. I mean, I, I, you you know, if you, if you start saying Jesus didn't resurrect, I'm, I'm going to pretty much, take you to task and say, that's not Christianity. Uh-huh. You know, like there, there's, I'm, I'm, cons- I'm very conservative theologically. Yeah. Um, and, and with that said, I also believe there are moments in our, in our journeys where we begin to realize that some of the theology we've been handed was, does not reflect the Bible. For example, you know, when I met Jesus, I was 16 years old and the first church I went to was this wonderful conservative evangelical church in my hometown. I look back on that church with profound gratefulness. They taught me how to read the Bible. They taught me how to pray. They taught me about the Trinity. They taught me how to share my faith. Um, They taught me what repentance looks like. I look back on that community and I go, that community was so good for me. But they also handed me a really, really, really shallow delinquent, and I would say bad theology of women. And I later on, you know, by reading scripture and realizing what the Bible, the more, the the, robust vision of women in scripture, um, I was, you know, you're put in this awkward position because I receive all the good stuff that was handed to me. But I also realized that part of what was handed to me was really not Jesus centered. And I think a lot of people face these kind of moments and what they do is they end up chucking the whole thing and saying everything they received was not good. When in reality, that's just not life. Part of life is receiving. We all come from a broken family of origin, receiving those good things that we were given and then letting go and, and entering into fuller dimensions of our faith journey. You know, my grandma would say, eat the meat and spit out the bones. And she's talking about food. I think all the more that applies to theology that we, we know how to receive the good things we've been given. But there are times that part of what we were given needs to be undone. And the difference, you know, is, is it discerning the difference between what to receive and what not to takes a lot of guts and a lot of patience. Yeah, how do we... The Bible. How do, how, I, how do we know I, that? I, 
Yeah, I'll answer your question before you even get there. I mean, <laughs> honestly, we we because we are such a biblically illiterate society, yeah. we don't good deconstruct, we bad deconstruct. And I'll tell you what bad deconstruction is. Bad deconstruction is when we we actually begin to undo historic Christianity simply because it doesn't fit our cultural yeah. values or what we want. And so what ends up happening, I, mean, I see this among my progressive friends all the time. My dear, I've, I, I live in Eugene for heaven's sakes, folks. If you, if you think I'm not talking to people on both sides of the, on this conversation, then you're, you're ignorant. But I see this among both. I see this on the both sides. So progressives, you know, will read the Bible and, and brilliantly articulate visions of justice and care for the poor and the immigrant and the refugee and systemic justice. So important. And then just sort of glide over everything that has to do with sexual holiness. My progressive friends, or my conservative friends, will find everything in the Bible brilliantly that has to do with repentance and sexual holiness. And that unborn children are lives. And then just sort of glide over the whole immigrant, refugee, systemic sin conversation. Here's what bad deconstruction is. Bad deconstruction is when we choose the parts of the kingdoms that we like and reject the parts we don't. Um, that's bad deconstruction. And I think, honestly, the only way that we can undo this ridiculous bifurcation is we have got to return to a passionate love for what God has said in the Bible. Because if, friends, if if the scriptures aren't, if the, honestly, if the scriptures do not have their role in, in the church, it's like a nation without a constitution. You can't, you can't, can you imagine what it would look like to have a nation where people didn't honor the constitution? Actually, we're having that right now. Yeah. Look how it's working. It doesn't yeah. feel terribly so, far-fetched. Right. <laughs> if we have a church that doesn't agree that this book should be our, like, our rule of faith, yeah. friends, we're done done yeah wow so I, I what i'm trying to say here I'm, I'm sounding a little gospel coalition and i'm i guess i'm fine with that is um i i think that we need to return to the core values of our faith um of a book that matters and is true and good and worthy to listen listen to i i guess one of the things i I struggle a little bit or bristle against is um, because I've gotten that thrown in my face of like, Oh, just go back yes. to the Bible. Like it's just black and white, you know, like, well, let's be real. There's still different ways that we can in interpret that. Absolutely. But we, and to your point, we can't gloss over those things. So like, if you haven't wrestled through those passages, you know, like then, then we're not, we can't have that conversation yet. You know, like, yes. um, yes. So if you, if you, for me, brokenness and surrender are the two, um, I think things that everybody needs to kind of face and go through. And if you have, if you have walked through brokenness and surrender and then have arrived at a different interpretation, then I'm going to have a lot more respect Absolutely. for you. Um, Josh, can I respond just where you're at? What can I yeah. say? When I'm, 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 when it comes to women in ministry, I'm as affirming and believing. I'm, I'm an egalitarian. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I believe. Okay, but when I sit down with a complementarian friend who does not agree, 
But we have both done this job of yeah. wrestling through the Bible and seeking to do it together and doing it in brokenness and humility and yeah. surrender. And we come out the other side and disagree. Friends, that is different yeah. than yeah. us saying, we're going one person saying, well, I want to go to scriptures to it. I'll say, and the other person saying, well, we're just chucking it because it's the 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. That that is that is that's not deconstruction. That is like that's the word of the serpent. Yeah. Did God really say? Da, 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 da. I mean, the first thing he attacks is what God has spoken. So yeah. you're absolutely right. And and just because we're going to the Bible doesn't mean we're all gonna agree. But a very first and important step is honoring this tradition that mm. we've been given. Mm. That's yeah. really good. Um, AJ, I want to back up a little bit maybe and uh something with with this book you have you have shared um that there's a heaviness with it and with the the release of it there's almost i don't know a little bit of anxiousness on your part um can can you speak to that a little bit absolutely yeah yeah and i've said that i've said that in a number of rooms recently i've i mean i've i've been nervous this is my Actually, it's it's actually technically my ninth book, but it, I think it's my tenth if you include an edited book I did. Um, th- this book has created more anxiety for me than any other book I've ever written. But I think the reason that that is the case is that I, you know, I, for example, my book on Sabbath, it's a great book and it's and it's a, an important book. But if people disagree about the Sabbath, it's not going to affect Thanksgiving. Um, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna still get together and eat chicken and stuff. But this conversation, when you're talking about kids that are deconstructing their faith and parents and churches, I mean, this is Thanksgiving. And I recognize wholeheartedly that, um, if, if we miss this conversation or we do it in a way that is not honoring and loving and Jesus centered, people will get hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's like you're as a preacher, people ask you, do you, do you get scared of preaching anymore? Um, do you get nervous? And if you, if you, if you don't get nervous preaching, then you're not preaching. Like it should terrify you because you're talking about souls and spirits and life and afterlife. And, um, this book is about life, man. And it, it is my son. Here's my son's going to read this book someday. And I'm, I'm literally giving my son, (laughs) I'm teaching my son, how to deconstruct the faith I'm giving to him yeah. Yeah. and, and to do it well. And it, cause it, cause here's the deal. I'm a parent and there are going to be things that I hand my son that he's going to need to probably undo. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Right. Um, cause I'm a parent, I'm a broken parent like anybody else's. So it's just real. I mean, it's just real stuff. Yeah. I, that, that's so good. And that, that really resonates with me. I, um, I, I think about a lot why it's hard for me and why it's been hard for me to um, share the doubt piece of myself. It's getting easier, but not easy at all. Um, and uh, I don't know, man. It like to to share that means to um, to reveal that uh, the some of the things that I've said to you or taught you may um, have, have been wrong or, or have been not exactly um, what, what has been needed in the moment. Um, And, and 
really i beyond that i think um sharing sharing the doubt piece of us is like sharing the deepest most hidden piece at least for um myself and a lot of other christians who've been here that i know um it's like man this is a this is a comparison that's going to get me in trouble but but like like when when a gay teenager comes out or something that's something they've kept hidden for so long and then and then presents when a when a lifelong christian um uh-huh. confesses like i've i've had severe doubts about my faith and then reveals that like you you kind of expect and anticipate a a harsh reaction and that's not necessarily unfounded like it um it it's dangerous to admit these things but it's also it's really hard to deconstruct at least in my experience and it's really hard to grow completely alone and completely in the dark mm. And the the sharing piece of this seems to be the hardest one for myself and for a lot of other people. Um, I I don't know if that has Thank been. Thank the Lord, experience. you don't host a podcast or anything like that. Right. So, right. Um, <laughs> have, to, have to process. Well, we things. we host a podcast, but not a lot of people listen to it, so it's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I just can I just affirm yeah. uh, your fears? I when because when you as a leader in particular when you when you give language to your own faith struggles mm. as a as a leader, you're almost afraid to do so because then people will think, well, what else are they wrong about? Yeah. So like, like if they're questioning their theology of the resurrection or something like that, I'm trying to think of something, then clearly it's sort of everything else is going to go. I think that we have to, I do think, I do think for people in power who are preaching and teaching, we need to be very cautious about this yeah. um, because, you know, the, we need to remember that these are sheep. They're not camels. It's not their job to carry our junk for us. And if we utilize our doubts and struggles as a point of heaping on to people, yeah. that's not us sharing with intent of love. That's us just replacing our counseling appointment with mm. our church pulpit. Yeah. And that's not healthy. That that's not that needs to be where you're in spiritual direction and you're 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 wrestling with your faith crises in in environments that are not unduly burdening God's people. With that said, one of the greatest gifts that I give my students, my son, and the people I lead are moments when I invite them into aspects of my faith struggle. And here's why: it teaches them that it is possible to have a passionate love for Jesus and have problems with your own faith. And for so many of us, we were not given that pathway. So the sign that Jesus is there are no problems. Well, you guys know this, you're pastors. If you ever had a couple come in for premarital counseling and you ask them, when was the last time you had an argument? And they said, well, we've been together for a year, but we've never argued. <clears throat> we would look them in the face and say, don't you dare get married. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, that's the sign that there's, it's not an actual love. You're not being honest with each other. And I don't know if it's any different with the Lord. Like, honestly, <laughs> the sign that we love God is that we wrestle with them. 
I mean, that's literally the word Israel means wrestles with God mm-hmm. that we struggle the mm-hmm. sign. And I put in the book, doubt is not the sign that we don't have faith. It's actually the sign that we do have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, um, to quote you, <clears throat> it says, you said one's confession of being wrong means that you are on the right track. Um, <laughs> and, like, and like, I, I'm laughing at my own quote. My apologies. <laughs> like that, that is that that's the gospel message. Um, and yep. I, I just preached on Mark chapter eight yesterday when Jesus says, if you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. Like the, this is, this is the, this is paramount to the gospel message. And yet it, if you question your faith, somehow that, that becomes this scary thing or has, you know, historically. Um, that, that is actually, I think the difference between that, that the different in, so we live in a gotcha culture mm-hmm. where the minute you're wrong, you're out, you're yeah. done. Like how you, you have to quit. You have to be canceled. You have to do all this stuff. We've talked about like the church should be the one witness in the world yeah. about how to be wrong yeah. like that, that we, we offer the gift of humility to say, you know what? Yeah, we suck. <laughs> Yeah, we are hypocrites. Yes, we stink. Because in the world, there's no grace for that. Mm. But for us, the sign that you're on the right track is that you that you're identifying you've been on the wrong track. You brought up friend David. Yeah. Actually, Josh, I think you, you made this comment. You brought up Mark. Yeah. yeah. Mark didn't know Jesus. He he's actually right. not writing out of experience. He's passing along Peter's story. Yeah. And Mark is the gospel that tells more about the denial of Peter than any other gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You have a gospel written by a guy who is passing along somebody saying, I botched it. Yeah, Peter I, does not come off great in Mark's gospel. No! It's his gospel! <laughs> right. Exactly! Like, the way that, what you are saying, Josh, that, that we actually preach the gospel through our own failures. Mm. That's how we yeah. do it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Um, I, I want to. We're gonna we're gonna wrap up a bit because I know you have a class soon. Um, what what I'm hearing reminds me so much of uh, um, a book I read in seminary that's almost unreadable um, to a lot of folks. It's, it's very like high level uh, by a guy named John Levinson called Creation and the Persistence of Evil. And I don't know if you know it, but uh, but yeah, he he talks a lot about like um, that uh, Abraham wrestles with God and, and calls him out at times, but then he compares that to Job who is sort of put in his place at the end. And he says, we, we kind of need to have both of a surrender and a willingness to wrestle, uh, kind of at the same time. And, um, what I'm hearing is, is some of that commitment to faith while also wrestling through our faith. And, um, and I'm just, I'm grateful to hear that um, in a way, because Levinson's book, I can't just recommend to your average churchgoer. I had trouble getting through it. <laughs> it's it's a rough one, but I'm I'm glad to hear some of that because the the wrestling and the, the honest um, walking through faith is so much better than the um, uh, 
God will never give you more than you can handle type of faith. Like that, that, mm. that's not real. And that doesn't, um, that doesn't speak true to the person that I've had to visit in the hospital who had a miscarriage. Like that just, that doesn't ring to ring as a true kind of faith. Um, so, Absolutely. so I'm just, I'm appreciative for the message. I, I have, thank you. And, and to hear somebody say that, that that rings true to them. And, 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 and frankly, it's the same story I see in scripture over and over and over again, um, is, is certainly encouraging. I love my wife. Um, I, I more than any other human being, I love my wife. I trust my wife more than any other human being, but I do not trust my wife to not lose my keys. <laughs> I don't trust my wife to not hurt my feelings. I don't trust my wife mm. to, to do everything I want. And the the story of human, the story of love mm. is of, of, of worship. The story of worship in the Bible is I love God with all my heart and I don't get him. Mm. No, I love God. That's the Psalms. I love God. Where the heck are you? Mm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I love you. But I don't get this. And why we thought faith meant intellectual certitude, that these are not the same thing. Wow. We walk by faith, not by sight. And actually the problem with Thomas is he started walking by sight and he couldn't believe in the resurrection because of it. So the, the invitation here is to a deeper faith. But often the way God deepens our faith is he takes us through valleys and where we can't see anything. Wow. Oh, that's so good. Hey, Jay, I, I very much appreciate you spending time with us um, today. And in this book, as I'm reading through the book, there's just there's a, a depth there that like your pastor's heart just comes out, you know, and um, you just bury your soul. Um, and I, I'm just like picturing and imagining, you know, as reading some of the, the words in the pages, the just tears streaming down your, yeah. your face. Um, and so th thank you, um, mm -hmm. for that. And for, you know, mm -hmm. our, our listeners out there like this, this, this book truly is a, a gem, um, and take it and, and realize that this is a person's soul that is being, you know, being bore out there. And, um, and so read it in that way. Uh, that blesses me. Thank you. Well, thank you to you for even reading it. Um, and uh, I do hope, in, in all seriousness, I do hope that this book is able to capture some people in very sensitive and sacred moments in their life when they are asking really big questions and don't know how to move forward. And the goal is is Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I want that. Um, as as we leave, the book doesn't leave us hopeless. Um, no. Yeah. That that it and you you've done a great job at giving some practical ways in which we can journey through this uh, deconstruction and so um, yeah make sure to grab the yeah. copy and so <clears throat> so after doubt comes out tomorrow Tuesday well March second yes yeah March second probably as you're listening to it, it's probably yesterday yeah but... wonderful oh. um and uh, tell us where our listeners can find you if they want to find out more about you. Yeah, you can find me at ajspoboda.writes.com. Okay. I'm on Twitter, MRAJSpoboda. 
<clears throat> and I always want to encourage anybody who's listening to this to purchase the book um, from your local bookseller or uh, from a bookseller who is going to um, be able to support their family mm. uh, with the purchase of that book. So if you can um, go down to the mom pa store, uh, whatever you can do. But yeah, for us, that's Windows booksellers. So yeah, uh, maybe Bingo. call yeah. Windows and tell them we need your book. Call Hearts and Minds in Pennsylvania. I don't know, but call. Um, get it from get it from an ethically sourced bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, we we really appreciate you. I think this is a this is an important conversation for so many folks that I know. So I'm and yeah. And for our listeners, I just got to give a quick plug. Make sure you subscribe. You smash that button. Right? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> smash the button. We do have uh, next week. We've got Stephen and Shiana coming on with Breathe, Pray, Worship, um, and we'll talk with Lexi also the following week yeah. about uh, because people matter. So, got some great guests coming up. And yeah, well, you guys are awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much Thanks, for being AJ. here. And for the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David. I'm Josh, and we'll see you next time.